Welcome to the Lemon Spark Podcast, where we share stories about lemons that spark a new direction in life. I'm your host, Barbara Zabala. Well, welcome, Stephanie Corder, to the Lemon Spark Podcast. Stephanie, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk with us. Everyone, I'd like you to meet Stephanie. She is a mom of three from Scottsdale, Arizona. She's a Facebook marketing coach, which we could all use help. I certainly <laughs> help. That's an impossible nut to crack for me. Um, she has her lemon relates to being having a chronic illness for seven years. And she faced that illness in bed, in a wheelchair, on a walker. And now she is hiking and she Good wears hiking boots today. And we're going to hear about that journey. So welcome, Stephanie. And tell us about your lemon. Thanks. Well, so 10 years ago, I was a very active, typical mom, you know, at least I, in my world, I, my husband and I led boy scouts. We led cub scouts. I was a girl scout leader. I was a homeschool, uh, excuse me, a homeroom mom for two of my three kids. Uh, They were all in elementary school. I was a school coordinator. We were involved in 4-H. We even had our house on the garden tour. And we're actively involved. So I'm one of those energizer bunnies, you know, that you just got to keep going. And that's what gives me like fulfillment in my life. I love serving our community and life was beautiful. Um, And then all of a sudden I started walking across the living room floor, having pain. And because our community was so beautiful, I went to various doctors we were friends with and said, Hey, something's wrong. (laughs) Like, I don't know what's happening, but this ain't cool. And we, you know, went to podiatry and, uh, you know, chiropractic and kinesiology and Chinese medicine, and nobody could really put a finger on what was going on with me. And I just progressively got worse. And I was saying, Hey, like, I literally can't walk from my car to the door of the school anymore to be that homeroom mom and ended up in a wheelchair and, uh, through the beautiful community we had, uh, we ended up, you know, getting seen by some of the best specialists in the United States, which was amazing. Living in Scottsdale, Arizona, you know, one of the top five cities in the United States, we have a lot of access to great medical care. And eventually was diagnosed um, with a pain disorder that's only second to terminal cancer and level of pain. Wow. And as people tried to treat me, they were making it worse. Um, so, Western medicine, you know, would do the cortisone shots and the taping and all this and uh, naturopathic medicine would do what was called prolotherapy and, and everything they did just literally made me worse. And I kept saying, you guys, I'm on fire. Like I can't sleep at night. I can't function. Uh, My whole life just disappeared before my eyes. All the things I found joy. I mean, we were big time, uh, campers. We camped at least twice a month in different cities, places living in Arizona, you have all these great sites to see. Yeah. Um, a lot of national parks. Oh, for real. Uh, (laughs) we hiked all the time. My boys were junior Rangers. My daughter grew up in a backpack on my back. Um, and I couldn't do any of that anymore. And so the depression and the anxiety was just unmeasurable. Like I couldn't even look at people uh, without just crying, which nobody wants to look at you, you know, cause you just couldn't explain what was happening. And uh, eventually we were told that the disorder I had at that time, 10 years ago, uh, 
according to one of the largest neurological hospitals in the United States said, we can't chart it because insurance doesn't agree with the diagnosis. Now, mind you today, that diagnosis is out there. It's in PubMed, it's noted, you know, noted with insurance and covered. Um, but imagine being in a position where people are like, well, we kind of know what's wrong, uh, but we can't tell you what it is because we can't chart it because we can't do anything with it. It was very overwhelming to say the least. Um, but we, you know, I, I have an amazing husband, praise God. I know everybody's not that fortunate, um, but he just refused to let me give up. And so we did the craziest of things. If, if you were a network marketer, we were like target 101. You know, I bought more oils and pills and poured more stuff on myself and did more crazy things than you could shake a stick at. But I just continued, like I said, to get worse to where I lived majority of my life in my bed and I had a wheelchair and, and I might have a day where I could go. I had these great big leg braces to hold stability in my legs. I might be able to go to the school or do something or lead my Girl Scout troop. Um, but then I'd spend the next three, four days in bed, which is pretty common for people with invisible illness. Um, we don't see behind the veil of what's really going on with them. So in that time frame, I was pretty lost and had truly given up hope. I mean, I wish I could say that I was always uh, positive and believing in my affirmations, but I wasn't. <coughs> and one of the things that um, really struck me in that time frame is I was, I'm a Christian and I was reading the Bible and I came across Isaiah 46, 4. And the scripture is just pretty basic. It says, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And I printed that and put it on uh, the closet door next to my bed. So when I was laying on my right side, I would be staring at that in my bed because I lived in my bed and I would cry it <laughs> and I would say it. And then I would process it like, okay, if I, if I believe that God is real, then I've got to believe his words real. And if his words real, then, then this means this was written for me thousands of years ago. And, and if that's the case, well, then it's a promise. Well, then I got to believe it's going to happen. And that was the thing that held me to any ounce of belief. And mind you, I would scream that belief at times, you know, come on. Like I have, have I not had enough of this? Like, when am I going to be able to you know, go enjoy a park date with my kids or uh, walk around the block with the dog or any of those things again. And um, that was really all I had. I mean, I hear people with these amazing stories and they have all these affirmations and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't have any of that. I had this scripture on the wall and an amazing husband. And we, he just literally never stopped. And I learned through Facebook groups, which were all, we all get involved in groups, the importance of being our own advocate and doing the research on my health myself, because so many things that are out there, um, especially like in our national Institute of health, it's, as you know, seven to 15 years before doctors get a hold of most of those studies mm -hmm. and really understand what science is saying. And these are peer reviewed studies. These aren't done by um, a company. I mean, we're talking about Washington State University, Louisiana State University, the MS Foundation, the Diabetes Association. And I, I stumbled across one day a study. Um, and if you type in 
over 200 diseases that fall in this category, but my particular disease, if you type in your disease's name and then type in oxidative stress, you'd be blown away by the connections of those. And I'd asked my doctor about it. And he said, well, it's an intangible oxidative stress is uh, chemicals and pollution and could be in our water. Like there's no way to treat it. But I was staring at PubMed that was showing me there were ways to treat it. And so I took that, that information um, along with um, a meeting, a friend of mine who had introduced me to a particular product and eventually was able to simply reduce that and improve my symptoms. So I started using something called DNA activation. Have you ever heard of that term? I have not heard of that. No. So what it is, is supplementation is like adding to the body what the body is not producing. Activation is activating the DNA to where the DNA produces what it needs to produce to heal itself. It's not a new concept. I mean, epigenetics has been going on for the past 12 years, but most mainstream doctors are not in privy of this information, even naturopathic, um, so forth. And so I started using DNA activators to simply reduce oxidative stress, which according to PubMed was the major cause of my condition. Four months later, came off methadone. Six months later, ended up putting my Asolo hiking boots on and walking into the woods in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I did that as a live on Facebook, which was super cool with the people in my community, them getting a chance to watch that happen. And, and we, I cried the whole way and knowing that there were people supporting me and crying with me, um, which was pretty cool. Perfect strangers, right? But they become this family support to you. And uh, 18 months later, I was off of all my medications. I no longer needed any assistance of canes, walkers, wheelchair. Um, I stay out of that bed just about as much as possible now because it does trigger a little PTSD. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I was able to just mitigate everything out of my life. And in the last couple of years, um, I've been able to hike some of the most amazing hikes. And every time I do it, I cry. And I know that sounds really kind of crazy, but Every time I do it, I can hear my doctor saying, Steph, you're never going to hike again. You'll not even probably be able to walk around a building without crying. And so when I hike, it's me saying, you can never say never. <laughs> you know, we, we never know what tomorrow holds. And in those dark pits and places where I really felt like I was a burden and just wanted to die, I look back and say, thank God I didn't die thank God I didn't take my life, you know, in that, in a suicide disease. Thank God I, I continued forward because although it didn't happen like that change did come and I was able to be the mother I wanted to be again. Now, when you're fighting chronic illness, I mean, it's expensive. You know, we figure we spend, <laughs> right? Yeah. Very, I mean, chronic illness is why we have such high healthcare costs in this country. Yeah. We spent, we estimate approximately $200,000, not including me not working. So the impact to our household, trying to find the right fit to fix me. And um, so when I came out of it, I obviously needed to get back to work. I needed to do something to change my life. And yet I struggled because I was finally able to be with my kids, go back to the classroom, 
be there for sporting events and what have you. And, uh, I knew I needed to do it, but I wasn't in a big hurry. And I had a lot of past experience in sales and advertising. So I knew I'd go into that venue, but that venue is typically, you're talking a lot of hours every week away from your family. And, um, so I, I kind of started putting some feelers out there, but then COVID hit <laughs> and my, I remember in March of 2000, what was it? Nine, nine, 2020 that we hit, right? Yep, that and, <laughs> what year was it? Where am I? Uh, and so I remember in March though, uh, sitting at my computer with one tab open to Indeed, one to LinkedIn and one to Rat Race Rebellion. And I was just crying because I knew here, I finally had this life back that I so desperately wanted. And I was going to surrender my time again to make an income to support the family that we needed. And at the same time, my husband's business, as so many of our businesses did, just imploded overnight. Um, he was a contractor for small businesses. Small businesses were shutting down left and right. They couldn't do business. Uh, his main contract is a company that does T-shirts and patches for YMCA, Boy Scouts, stuff like that. Um, you know, think conferences and that wasn't happening for at least 18 months. And I was sitting there at the computer, just like hating it, but knowing I needed to do something. And my great husband that he is, I listen and I hear him in the other room because right. You're all on top of each other. One kid's at this table, one's at the other one's at the desk. And I hear him talking to a Facebook marketing coach that he knew and he's giving his credit card number. And I come running in the room like any wife would do. I'm like, you're not even on Facebook. What are you doing? <laughs> and he said, honey, this is for you. Like, this is what you need to do. And it, as I talked to her and listened to him and her have this conversation, I, it hit me. Oh my gosh, the world is going to have to get online and they're going to have to do it quick because we've got to make money. And moms were having to teach their kids school at home. And I saw all these implications coming on uh, women as a whole. And I had all this experience in sales and advertising. And so we hired that coach. I took some of the best coaching programs there were money could buy and uh, launched my own marketing company. And what I do is I help moms to create, launch, and expand their business using social media but the majority of women that we tend to have a heart lean towards, right, are the warriors, the ones who, like me, have faced chronic illness, um, either for themselves or for someone intimate in their family, because it's a whole different mindset. You learn what spoons really are. Have you ever heard that theory, the spoon theory? No, I have not. And like oh, my gosh, you know, I'm just I'm going to turn you on to something so amazing. So there's a thing called the spoon theory. And there's this gal and she has lupus and she's out to lunch with her best friend who's known her her whole life. And you'll have to look it up on Google. And uh, the friend says to her, she says, well, what's it like having lupus? And she said, well, gosh, you've known me my whole life. And she said, yeah, but what is it like? And she said, okay. So she goes around the table and grabs a bunch of spoons and holds them up. And she says, okay, every activity you do is going to cost you a spoon. You can't keep any from yesterday and you can't borrow any from tomorrow. This is what you get. Count your spoons. And so the girl's like, okay, whatever. All right. I, I got out of bed and she goes, oh, were you late or did you just wake up? Because if you were late, you're frazzled. So that's two spoons. And she's like, you're kidding. And she's like, okay, I go take a shower. Oh, did you wash your hair? Did you shave your legs? Those count spoons. And then she kind of goes through, you know, like you did this, you did that and you finished the dishes and oh, you're out of spoons and the kids still have homework and the dishes need to be done. What do you do? And it kind of gave a big picture 
as warriors of, of chronic illness uh, or loving people that you're caring for with chronic illness, you truly only get so many spoons. It's only so much you can do in a day. Hmm. And when you recognize those spoons and you learn how to implement those spoons, you can accomplish substantially more in your life, but it is a very different way of looking at the world, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it relates to how much energy you really have and how much you can actually accomplish. So yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. So now you are, um, on this path to help people with moms with marketing, would you say looking back, you know, before you had the chronic illness that you would imagine yourself doing what you're doing today, if, if it hadn't been for that, that illness? Yeah. I don't think I could have conceived it. Right. Like I also never really understood people with pain when people would say you're in pain I'd be like, suck it up, buttercup, let's go. And, and when you live through a chronic illness, you realize it, there's no sucking it up, buttercup, let's go. That's just not reality. And so it created in me an empathy that I didn't even know I was lacking. And one of the beautiful things I'll tell people, because they'll say, you know, how about your kids? Well, we did, we had counselors in the house that, you know, came to the house and helped us with our children as they grew with a mom who was really chronically ill. Um, but I look back now and I know one of the, one of the, you know, silver linings was my kids are very empathetic. They're the first to grab a door. If somebody's in a wheelchair struggling, you know, they're immediately, can I help you? Because they know the challenges we faced as a family to support others. And I think if I would have just been healthy, well, I would have just, you know, slowly stepped back into the world of advertising and marketing and doing the things that I had always done. I may not have ever um, felt the fullness of the family and wanting to serve and support families that have chronic struggles. And it's just a whole different place. I mean, I hear people all the, say, all the time saying, well, my uh, product supports these people. Well, that's great. But if you've not lived it, if you haven't tasted it, felt what it's like to have to not get to go to your kids' performances because of pain or the sound or uh, you couldn't get in the building or whatever, you know, you don't really understand it. Yeah. And so I feel like God has given me this beautiful opportunity. Do I wish I could have not endured it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. But at the same time, I know I'm the woman I am today and my children are the amazing independent individuals they are today because of the actual hell we went through. And, and I'll tell you, I don't, I would have never thought about my own health. Like we thought we were healthy, but we only listened to our doctor. If our doctor didn't say it, oh, then it just isn't, it's not a fact. It's not gold. It's not, we went to chiropractic um, and we, you know, took some supplements, but only if a doctor (laughs) said, this is what you do. And so today, now we look at our health in this three-dimensional perspective. And we've been able to support our children um, through crisis and health conditions in a way that we wouldn't have been able to before. We would have given up hope because our doctor didn't know better. And today I really understand the advocacy that we have to have for ourselves as individuals. Yeah. That's a really great lesson. 
Oh yeah. People need to hear because yeah, as much money as we spend on our health system, it is far, far, far from perfect. And it's really important to make sure that uh, people do their homework and are willing to advocate for themselves. And I really found it interesting that it's not only you who can look back and say, you know, you, you grew as a person, but your kids, you know, this oh, yeah. that hit you really impacted your kids in a way that it sounds like they're, you know, it was, they're really wonderful people almost because of what they faced. And I'd never really thought about, you know, how lemons can impact other people around you who have to struggle with you and oh, yeah. them just as much as it changes the person living with it. So that's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we, it's, it's interesting. Um, we want to teach our kids good care, right? We want them to be healthy um, individuals. We want them to eat the right foods and do the right things, but it's not easy to teach them that. Mm-mm. it, it kind of has to come through experience that they encounter yeah. that makes us, it makes us all want something a little bit different. And, um, I, I, you know, I love it. My middle son uh, has some special needs and, but it doesn't really impact his life in a significant way. But what I love is we got COVID, um, August a year ago. And, you know, I pull out my supplement boxes and all the things we're going to do. And he said, I need to research these. And and it was kind of annoying because I was so sick. I was like, please just take them. But the flip side was, hey, he wants to understand this for himself. And that was incredibly inspiring to me. And that was long before we're dealing with what we're dealing with in the world today. Right. And so I, uh, I, I am very grateful that it made my kids want to do the research and, and point them in the right directions for the research. Just because someone says, we did an experiment and this is what we found. Well, gosh, that experiment could have been with six people, a trial, or it may not be nothing. So really teaching them, what is it I'm looking for in research? Mm-hmm. And, um, and in the process of all this craziness, I began to homeschool and I homeschool two of my children now, and one's moved on to college. Um, but it, it, I, you know, you just kind of, you can't imagine the lessons that you can teach when your life is in hell mm-hmm. that are lasting. Yeah. Like, man. And, you know, I know my, my middle son sometimes will say, or my older son sometimes will say to me, Oh mom, I'm not going to worry about it. Cause, uh, I'm just going to pray through it. It's going to be good. And I know I've, I've done the research and you're kind of like, Oh, wait, wait, wait. You grabbed all those really good things and you're doing it on your own without me telling you. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, they always say that tough times are the best teachers. So. Uh, oh, it's so good. Good yeah. statement. <laughs> well, so uh, Stephanie, have people want to learn more about you or connect with you. Maybe they're a mom looking for some social media marketing. Yeah. How can they find you? So a couple different ways. Um, one, I have a private Facebook group called Warrior Mompreneurs. Um, they can join and uh, it's women that are you know, trying to take their businesses uh, full-time online and struggle either themselves or someone in their family. They're concerned about health care and conditions. Um, I also have a website, Stephanie Quarter, and it's C-O-R-D-E-R dot biz, B-I-Z. 
um, they can go to and uh, learn a little bit more about me. And, and of course I have, you know, the Instagram, uh, warrior mompreneur Instagram as well. Okay. Well, I'll make sure I leave that information in the comments to the podcast. And I'm just so grateful that you took time out of your day to talk with us and share your story. And it is definitely inspiring. So thank you so much, Stephanie. Thank you for having me. I, I hope I can encourage people that You know, sometimes when we're in the pit of hell, we think there's no hope and we just want to surrender. But if we can imagine what the future could hold, that little glimmer, I mean, I tell women all the time that are struggling, try to capture a little glimmer of the woman that you miss or that you desire, that you want to get to, and do not let her go. Don't let that vision escape you because you can get back to her. She may be more mature and better, better capable today than she was in the vision that you had, but you can get back to her. You just can't let go of her. You can't give up on her. That's great. Great words to, to uh, live by and end this uh, podcast with. So thank you again. Yes. Bless you. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Lemon Spark Podcast. If you have a Lemon Spark story to share or know someone who does, please message us on Facebook and be sure to like our page. And remember, it's not the lemon that defines you, it's the spark.